WV Uncommon Place. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate series to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies reviews and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episodes. The Uncommon Place digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommon Place. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have a special episode. Um, it's kind of near and dear to me because I'm a gamer, um, Nintendo-wise. Um, I have Carmen with me. And Carmen has a very, very, very special last name that because of um, technical difficulties in my head, I cannot pronounce her last name properly. Um, I am going to introduce her now. So Carmen, please tell everyone your name and just go right in and tell them about yourself. I'm Carmen Ayala, and I am a self-taught programmer. Uh, I've probably been programming for about five, six years, and recently launched a, well, going to launch a startup. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so when did you first learn to code? Like, when did you just decide that you wanted to code? At what, what age? Yeah, I was, oh gosh, about 25. And um, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with that documentary, Indie Game, the developer, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Indie Game, um, the movie. Yes. Indie Game, the developer, that was me. Yeah, Indie Game, the movie. And so um, I saw that at one point, sometime during, during that year, and I just got really like excited about it because I've been a gamer since forever, like since I was a little kid. Uh, for my generation, it was, NES when I was really young and then uh, N64 I played a ton ton on N64 so anyway so I saw this movie and it basically uh, for those of you who haven't seen it um, it kind of shows you if you're an indie game developer you don't have to you know go to uh, an expensive college or work at a fancy um, a fancy studio if you want to make games and I was like I wonder if I could do that uh, because I don't know. I've done a lot of random stuff. I, uh, I at one point wanted to be a video editor. So I grabbed my iPhone 4S and shot like a few rap videos. It was really fun. Um, like just like random, uh-huh. uh, random stuff that I've tried. So usually I don't hold myself back. If I want to try something, I'll just like give it a shot. Um, so I decided to just make a game. I just started looking up, you know, Googling YouTube. Um, I found this great tutorial series by a guy named Sebastian Log and um, made my first game, uh, which (laughs) nobody ever played or knew existed. Um, One thing that when I was starting this and anytime I I start anything that I'm teaching myself, I always uh, research a lot. And usually I sort of look up what people do wrong rather than getting specific advice on the path forward that people think, oh, you have to do X, Y, Z. I just look at what people did wrong and like try not to do those things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So with game development, um, most people were like, you have to finish your your game or even general programming. They're like, you need to finish your projects. You'll start five, 10, 15 projects. It'll all be half done. You won't have anything to show anyone when you want a job. Um, So 
so yeah, so I, I think I finished it in about three months. Um, I gave myself a deadline for applying for um, Indicade uh, admission, and I actually made it through the first round of games with my, my little three months. Yeah, my first game. Yeah, so it wasn't featured in Indicate, but uh, but I did make it through the first round of judging, which I was really happy about that I made it to round two. So um, what, what coding did you start with? Did you learn like Python or something? What, did, what was the first uh, language you learned? Yeah, yeah, I started in C Sharp. So okay. C Sharp, um, yeah, and that was just because games are made, or, well, I, I started making games in Unity 3D and okay. that's C Sharp or JavaScript and I chose C Sharp. Okay. All right, so what was your first joy in software development? Like when you you started on, on your game, what was your first joy? Like um, what, what dimension was your game in? Was it in two dimension, three dimension? Um, it was, they call it a two and a half D because you're two like and a half D, okay. 3D models and perspectives, uh, but, about it like, like, but it was platformer style. All right, so for my audience, I'm gonna give you a take on it. It's about like playing a Super Mario Deluxe type game. About all right. All right. Okay, so um, what was your first joy when you, when you working in this? Like, where did, when did you know, like, man, I want to keep doing this? So I could tell right away. Um, as I said, like, I've I've man, I've had so many jobs. I went to school for dental assisting. I was a fry cook. I oh my gosh, I was a housekeeper. I mean, I've I've had job. Like, I will just you know keep keep trying, right? So I could tell pretty early on that I was really passionate about it. And yeah, video editing. Um, <laughs> so I could tell early on I was pretty passionate about it. Um, so that part was easy because I could just tell I was happy on a daily basis when I was, when I was while I was learning even because I had a full-time job as a project manager. Um, okay. And then I was teaching myself evenings and, um, and during my lunch breaks, I would like pull out my laptop and keep working and stuff. Uh, so I could tell I was really into it, but what was really um, unique for me was I was always really bad at math. And it was just one of those things you just, it's like a sound bite. You tell, yeah, I sucked at math. You know, I hated it. Um, like I failed pre-algebra, I think three times in school. And there's a lot of really expressions, there's a lot of expressions inside code for people that don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you need to understand uh, formulas and algorithms and how everything's going to work. Uh, so it was crazy because through programming, I learned math. I learned really complicated math, actually. And, um, and it was really great because I had always had this, like, uh, the, the stories we tell ourselves, right? Like, oh, I'm bad at math. And it was cool because I didn't do it intentionally. I just, it just happened naturally as I was learning to program. I was learning this really cool math. Um, <laughs> so I thought that was, that was like my, like, deep inner joy that I got from it was that I overcame something that was like very deeply rooted about myself. Um, okay. So, so that so was cool. Me, okay. So let me go with a real quick. What game made you want to become a software developer? Oh, that's a good one. It's actually one most people probably don't know of unless you're into indie games. Uh, it was, I mean, Fez is really, it was like a cleanser right. for me if you're familiar right. with Fez. So let me give my audience a little quick thing on Fez. All right, Fez, the way that I got into that game, I had this thing called a PlayStation Vita. PlayStation Vita to me was it was this, uh, it to, to me it's still the greatest system that you can find indie games on. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the, obviously you are, but the PlayStation Vita has the best indie store. When I look at the Nintendo Switch now, it's almost parallel, because Fez is one of those deals, it's even a pocket edition now on the, 
iPads and on the tablets. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, so it is one of those games in the way yeah. that it transforms around while you're playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so what, what about... like so inspirational. Uh, well, it was just cool because he took something that was, you know, Phil Fish, like it was just a standard looking, you know, he wasn't trying to be VR and do all this other stuff, but he just created something out of nothing in a way by having that turn system with the triggers. And like, it was just like one of those things where you look at and you're like, why didn't I think of that? I could never think of that. But it was also like really a driving force where I was like, maybe I could do something cool, you know? Um, so I think that's why my game ended up being a two and a half D and it was weird because I tried to implement a weird perspective element. So if you if you know that Fez was part of that uh, initial drive for me, you can kind of see it because I have this weird thing. Your little guy can jump into portals. Oh, wow. um, but instead of portaling to another level, it's all like a single um, a single plane, but you move up and down in, in camera perspective. Okay. Um, so like you're kind of in this bar basically, and you're kind of a small guy, maybe the size of like an egg. And uh, you hit a portal and you jump from the bar countertop to a shelf in the back. And it okay. kind of just pops you around the around the the same room. So that was like my little ode to Fez in my first game. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, what else inspired you after that? What because there's always there's always one game. There's always two or three things. Even with because you're an artist first off and foremost in artistry, there's something else after that. What was it after that that kept you going? Because Fez put you in the mindset. But what was it that kind of like like just showed you all the prowess? that made you want to just get into software development was there a game that you actually like debugged or something um i mean not not even specific to games because when i got my first job i was actually building um a lot of back-end systems a lot of custom apis and uh ios apps and you know less exciting things from from the gaming side uh but once you learn programming especially that first couple of years it really grabs you because it's like a superpower. You're like, all right. of a sudden you understand how all the magical things work behind the scenes. And you know, it just, it just gets you really naturally hype. Okay. So like whenever you got your first iOS, I guess we'll call it, is it an SD kit? Or is that with the iOS, what do you get? Like it's an SDK or something? Software development kit or something? Oh, the SDK. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a part of it. Yeah. All right. So when you're building something, like what is something that you built like that got you like truly excited. Like you built your game, but out of that, like in the beginning, what got you excited to get to building games? Because like I said, we're going to do every aspect. You said that game gaming influence. You said that the actual work provided you with a little bit. But like, what actual inside that work? What was something you worked on that was like, man, I really got this. It's time to just go develop this game. Um, I mean, it's kind of tough to say honestly because. In my, in my profession, it's been, you know, you bounce between like getting paid and doing passion projects on the side. And okay. so, you know, it's kind of tough. Um, and of course, it, it goes a lot deeper than that. I mean, honestly, you know, my, my dream in life, like I hope like five, 10 years from now, however long it takes that I can call you up and be like, hey man, like I own my own indie studio and like we're launching this game and then we have this other game in the works and like, but it's a really hard road to make games, um, even at the, it, it's really nuanced. I'm trying to think of how to narrow the explanation here, but. Um, it's the way you want to. Yeah, it, 
uh, well, for starters, there's not as much money in games. It's almost kind of like if, if anyone's familiar with the film industry, like you can burn a lot of money um, Very depending cool. on the game. But yeah, the, the cost of, of the labor, the cost of assets, the cost of promotion, and then the fact that people expect games to be pretty cheap, especially indie games. Um, so when you have to go pay all those things back, it's, it's a tough road for sure. Um, so mostly what I do now is I do kind of the less, you know, I mean, I don't find it boring, but you know, like the API, the data work, uh, web develop, you know, web development work. Yeah. Um, and that kind of pays the bills. And then I have a few projects that, um, you know, I've been working on prototyping and when I can foot the bill myself and I don't have to worry about trying to find some obscure British uh, indie game investor, <laughs> um, right. uh, then, um, you know, then I'll launch those games. But um, All right, so let me ask you this. As an inspiration, what is your favorite independent studio right now? Oh, man. Oh, geez. Mm, that's so tough. You know, honestly, I don't, I don't really follow studio to studio too much. I just, um, oh, gosh, what's their name? Let me, let me look real quick. The, um, I could tell you my favorite game that came from a small studio recently. Okay, because I'll tell you my favorite um, small studio is uh, Benjamin Rivers. Are you familiar? I'm not familiar with them. He has a he does oh. a little bit of 2D uh, graphic stuff. Like he did a game called Home, and it was like a murder mystery. Oh, but it, okay. I'm, yeah, yeah, I've heard of Home. See, I always remember the games, but I'm really bad with like the yeah. remembering all the studio names. And then but, he did, um, yeah, he so. Did, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, I was just going to say uh, it's Pillow Castle. They made Super Liminal. Okay. Um, yeah. Have you played it? I haven't played it, but a uh, buddy of mine, he's, he is into a lot. He talks about all indie stuff because I'm kind of a corporate guy now with my games because my little boy just plays a Nintendo. So we play things yeah. that make it, you know, but um, yeah, matter of fact, oh, I'll have to ask my buddy later. I'll talk to him a little bit more about it. So that's your favorite game yeah. right now. Right, yeah, so, it's, it's definitely my favorite game of the past year. Super liminal, right, so, sure. so, what do you, so just off topic before we get into your startup, what do you like that's big studio? What do you like that's what's something that's catching your eye that Sony Sega oh, can come? Yeah, I um uh like probably top AAA tier would be like uh Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I played a lot of that uh last year like an embarrassing amount of hours if you were to look at it um went into that game um so you're a ubisoft person i got you um and oh uh sorry that is my kid <laughs> um so the other one which you're probably familiar with is uh kingdoms of amalar yes uh, reckoning they they just did the release for re-reckoning Ooh. I was like so hyped for that release like I I played so much of the original one like but it was so broken that like I I when I first started playing it I was using a steam controller and the steam controller stopped working so I had to teach myself keyboard and mouse just to play the game like <laughs> I, yeah like you know so when they when they did the update I was like really excited so mostly I've been playing that okay and me like I said I'm stuck in console stuff right now because um, with my job, I travel a lot. So um, I like, my problem with, it, with what I play is everything's remastered that I'm getting to play. So I play a very 
a very good amount of games, but it's one game called Outer Worlds. Have you heard mm-hmm. of that? Yeah, yeah, I played that. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great game. Yeah, and I followed them because I'm a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the, you know, the actual game, not the uh, MMO game or whatever, but the actual, like, yeah. Old Republic 1 and 2. Like, I thought, I love those games. Obsidian did one, and then who did the first one? It doesn't even matter. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you. But that type, those type of games just draw me in. It's something about Outer Worlds draw me in. So let's get to this, your startup. What made you? Because we're if you're if you're familiar, because we're the same age group. There was a TV show called 2020, right? There was Barbara Walters, a lady named Diane Sawyer, and there was a guy named John Stossel. John Stossel did a funny part. We're not going to do John Stossel. We're going to I'm going to hit you with the Diane Sawyer question, then I'll go to Barbara Walters. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so here, here's our hard hitting question, and this is defines the rest of the conversation in this podcast. What <laughs> no pressure. Made, all right, yeah, a lot of pressure right now. What made you want to do a startup? And how are you executing that startup? And what is your final goal after your startup gets big? (laughs) All right. Okay. So let me break this apart here. The first piece was what made me want to do it, right? Yes. Okay. First piece. Um, That one is a really easy answer. I hate being an employee. I am the worst employee. (laughs) Even when I'm good at my job, I just... um, my husband likes to call it contrarian so we'll go with that okay i have a contrarian nature i kind of just like to do my own thing and i don't really um i just don't like i don't like structure for the sake of structure you know and usually when you're working for uh any company you know there's just kind of an expectation of like you know this is how company a does things we expect you to do things that way which is fair um but like you know my personal life happiness me living my best life is me making my own choices about my life and um so a startup and being a business owner is my path to that um so it just felt like the next logical step because I had a skill set where I am able to do that whether that's through building my own uh platform or just acting in a consultant capacity um trying to remember question two was it was execution, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm not sure where to start here. Would it make more sense if I talked about the startup and then execution? Yeah, you can or go ahead with that. Tell I us want everything to make sense. Yeah, so we'll make it uh, together. Tell us about your startup, what you're planning on doing, <laughs> and how you're going to do it. That's right. yeah, that's execution name. <laughs> All right. So, um, so the startup itself and let me okay basically uh, we are not launched yet it's going to be 2021 launch because i'm still building the mvp uh so okay. that's just on me <laughs> um but basically it's a platform for women who struggle buying clothes um off the rack and like using the standardized sizing system that's in place today okay um i mean like i don't know a single woman who doesn't have that complaint um and the funny thing is if you were to google right now like custom clothing you could find a number of uh, online outlets, but they're all for men. And oh, wow. I think that's because, yeah, because it's easier with just, I think it's it's not that men don't have body variants, obviously they do, but um, I think the, the way that women are expected to wear their clothes, like the style of like being more fitted, um, 
it's, it's almost impossible to do that at scale. Whereas for men, you can offer custom and you can still scale it. So people are willing to take on that business model, but nobody's really done it for women. Um, so that's kind of the, the origin of um, a startup uh, idea anyway. Um, and once I started working on the business plan, um, just like when we were talking about indie games and like being realistic about financing, because um, even though I could sit here and be like, yeah, you know, I can build the MVP myself. The reality is, you know, it takes money to, to make right. things go, especially when you're launching from zero. So what I have done is I have another company that is already up and running called Code and Candor, and that's my software development services and consulting. And so I've been learning a lot about like business development and operations and taxes and basically how it works is Code and Candor helps uh, my startup once we launch 2021, startup operates at a loss, but money funnels in from company A to company B. So that's how we keep it alive. <laughs> okay, good business model. Yeah. Start off with. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just work with what I have, <laughs> really. All right. And I really like that, that concept you have there, custom clothes for women, like, like are you, and you're saying, so I understand this correctly, like almost like tailor-made to a degree, yeah, right? And I can't go into too many details until we launch. Right, uh, at least right. We'll keep it real, really tight there. So that's amazing yeah. there. And, and that's empowering. That's one thing, like, on these podcasts, like, we, we try to do, we try to empower. It doesn't matter if it's male or female. But that, that's good that you think about the next person beside you instead of, you know, that, that that's really commendable there. So I'm really excited about it. So at what age did you have a dream? Oh, I've had dreams. <laughs> well, well, no, understand I mean, when I say this. I'll, I'll give a narrative to it real fast. All right. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll tell you about me, for instance, and this is just how I blab in the in the podcast. Um, I had a very simple dream. I was going to be an entertainer. Um, an entertainer, I, I thought, you know, years ago would be like Chevy Chase, Steve Martin type. They're entertainers or comedians, whatever. Anybody that crosses over. I thought Dane Cook was going to be an entertainer, but look what happened to him. Um and obviously the real world hit and I found out that I have one marketable skill. Um, my marketable skill is I'm the guy that comes into your Walmarts and we remodel them across the United States. I'm the superintendent. I'm the guy that planned your Walmart to a degree. So that's my job. That's what I'm here for. I went into, I went to school for computer info systems. So I dabbed a little bit here and there and stuff, okay. <clears throat> but it wasn't my take. I am a, I'm really just a human resource guy. I'm just really good with handling people. I'm like a USB cable. I can hook up to anything. So I didn't lose my dream, but over time, because of certain events, I ended up on Judge Judy. So that was my first shot at entertainment. So I had a good yeah. 15 minutes of fame. Um, but I became an entertainer because someone was like, you're this weird storyteller from Appalachia. You travel all of the United States, you meet different people, and you just spark a conversation with anyone. So I realized that I'm giving my entertainment away for free. So I started my podcast. So I would, so at, we'll say I'm 35 now. So at 33, I woke up with a dream that I wanted to do a podcast. I didn't, success for me is not measured in how much money I make. Success is managing the longevity of what I do. I'm going to make money at it. So you see where my dream came from? So where did this dream come from? What year did this happen? What age? You know, it's, it's so 
it's so loaded um, because I mean, I think it's, it's, I'm sure it's extremely normal to, you know, go through the phases of, of, okay, you know, this is my dream when I'm 16, you know, this is my dream when I'm 20, 25. Um, And it probably sounds awful to say, I don't know really what the dream, I I think outside of just, um, you know, a certain amount of stability for my family, a certain amount of control over my own life, like what I was talking about with, you know, not, not loving the employee vibe. Um, but I've already gone so much farther than I ever, like, I mean, <laughs> than I ever would have guessed, honestly. Like, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have lost so much money on that bet that, like, I just am kind of in this headspace where I'm just taking my, I'm just taking my shots as they come along. Like, I'm just taking risks. I'm pushing myself. Um, and, and you know, sort of just seeing where that takes me and hoping that making the right, you know, choices for the right reasons will take me somewhere cool. Okay, I like that answer. Okay, now let's dig into some deeper stuff. All right, there's a young Carmen in the world that wants to get into software development, make some games or just work in software development in general. She doesn't want to go to college. She doesn't want to do this and that. Walk me through the steps of me being a young lady, a young man, and I want to do it the way you did it. How do I do that? Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, I guess there's a few steps to it. Um, embrace fear. <laughs> embrace the unknown. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, whether they're 25 or whether they're 55 or 65 you know I talked to like uncles and aunts even even my own dad and you know it'll be that oh I always wanted to insert things here and most people have at least a handful of things and I don't mean like I always wanted to go to Portugal I mean like you know I always wanted to try that one career but it never happened or that one skill I always wanted to learn guitar you know whatever it is um but a lot of people don't don't push through and they kind of we think to ourselves, it didn't happen because of life circumstances, when really it didn't happen because we were afraid to fail. And we were afraid of letting go of that vision and that dream of ourselves that we could be because if we try it, and it doesn't work out, then it goes away and we'll never have it. And then who are we and what are, you know, it's, it's like an existential crisis that occurs. And I've been through that, like, let's call it 20 times. (laughs) (laughs) because I try it and it doesn't work and it's you know crushing sometimes and really amazing other times and you just have to um embrace that a bit if you want to succeed and related to that is the persistence factor like when I started programming um I had no idea what I was doing really you know I was just teaching myself um taking classes online following tutorials trying to build some kind of portfolio to show people it took me a year to get my first job. So I could tell that I loved it. So I just kept applying for jobs while I had my project management gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got that first job, I commuted four hours a day. I took a subway, which, yeah, I took a, I lived in downtown Hollywood at the time. Oh, I took wow. a subway to LA uh, Union Station, took a train to Irvine every single <laughs> well, Monday through Friday. Um, so, you know, 
it's not that every, every piece of your journey isn't going to be that difficult, but you have to know that like the persistence is what makes you lucky. You know, the persistence is what will, will pay off for you over the long term. Um, but if you're, if, if you don't care about what you're doing, whether it's programming or you want to be a doctor, whatever it is, if you don't care enough to push yourself um, and, and persevere, uh, you will likely not make it. Okay. I like that answer. No. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was inspirational. But, it, uh, it was inspirational and it hit the point. So let me ask you this. In everything you do, because this is something I ask every artist. It doesn't matter. Software development, um, an entrepreneur like yourself. Um, how do you deal with criticism? Yeah, that is something I still am, am going through and, and learning. Um, like I actually uh, just started posting on TikTok as a way to start to like continue toughening my skin for being more, um, you know, I've been criticized like in my career in like a small space, but putting yourself out there and allowing people to judge you when you're on a podcast or being interviewed or uh, running a business is a whole other level. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I saw something actually a few days ago that I thought was really great. Um, and it was something to the effect of insecurities are loud and confidence is silent. And so when I see someone trying to hurt me, uh, in a, in a comment or, or even things that have been said over, over the years, um, I think about that where it's just like, you know, I can, I can be confident in who I am. I don't need your validation. So even if I have to have a little pep talk with myself, you know, I get through. So you got tough skin, you're thick on that. Okay, we come to a part in this show um, that you have to give back to me and the audience because we love your story and everything. But for us to get more personable, we want to know about a hidden talent or a secret that no one knows about you. Oh, geez. Because l- let me give you a little bit here and it'll give you time to think about it. Um, I, yeah. have, I have this friend, he's a rapper that came on my show and he does really big numbers. He's he's still indie, but you know he's getting a million views, this and that. This gentleman can solve in a Rubik's Cube in 40 seconds. He has the rocket scientist mind, but using it for the wrong thing. I'm thinking to myself, I want his brain power so I can stop one of the world issues that's causing a crisis in the world. Like, with that kind of brain power, he should be able to do something else but rap. But he raps, and his rap is very intelligible, if you want to say that. And he's got that secret skill. You wouldn't think that right. he, that you would think that he's doing whatever stereotypes go with rap. You know, right. highly intelligent with that and very intellectual outside of that. So what's the hidden talent or the secret? Oh, okay, well... It's not as cool as that. I cannot solve a Rubik's Cube that quickly. <laughs> but um, you, you said uh, you said you had, did you have kids? Did you say? Yes, I have an 11 year old. Yeah. Oh, kids, you have, okay. So I have a two and a half year old and seven month old. Okay. So I have most of my life not been able to smell. And it's really funny because you go through life as like people, especially girls, you know, they'll show you like this candle and be like, oh, it doesn't smell great. And you kind of like, oh yeah, that smells amazing. And you, you know, waft it. Like I, I couldn't tell you the difference between vanilla cherry and a bag of poop. So <laughs> relating to, the, I can't, I don't know why it just never, I don't know. 
so um so it's been it feels like a superpower uh now that i have kids because as you know it's a lot of poop and um, smelly bodily fluids and it's amazing because i can't smell any of it <laughs> oh so you get a hack in life yeah yep now does that affect your taste can you taste anything I think it does. Um, it's hard to say because I don't know what things taste like for other people, but um, my friends and my husband have pointed out that like, uh, you know, I tend to like a lot of those weird foods that most people don't like, like a lot of people hate pickles and like certain really strong garlicky, like they're, they barely kind of register as flavorful to me. So like, I don't really notice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, random uh, secret, well, I cannot yeah. smell. Right, but that, that that's that's like a really big secret. Like you have now gotten the biggest secret on my show because that's a life hack. I mean, it's a we're not gonna put a conversation on it, but we're gonna just say it like this: you avoid a lot of stinky situations. You know, <laughs> I do, I do. I mean, you know, it's not so great. Like if you need to smell, like if the gas is left on or something. Um, and I could probably never be like a private investigator because they seem to like to smell things a lot, but. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a life hack for kids and some other things for sure. Yeah, so that like puts you just like in the whole realm where you're good to go and never having to worry about smelling anything. I, I wish I had that skill. Being on the subway, it was great. Like I'm sure that probably smelled like the way people talk about subways. I'm sure it smells. Yeah, with all the musty people in there, especially being in California. I was in Los Angeles about two years ago. So I've seen what the atmosphere is like and traveling like you did because I did the same thing. Uh, where I was at the University of Sher Sheridan going from there to West Hollywood and then went to Pasadena and some other places. So yeah, I, I, I smelled all that stuff, you know, so <laughs> that's so you funny. Didn't, you didn't smell any of that. That's, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know, like certain things have a smell. Like someone will tell me like, like my husband, cause he knows I can't smell. He'll, he'll point out like, Oh, you know, did you realize that, you know, this particular food had a smell and like, I just, know. Okay. So on a serious note, we're going into my Barbara Walters question now. Um, uh -oh. After this podcast, and obviously with what you're doing, you're going to become more of a social media influencer. You understand that? That's a, that's a part of a tag of what we do now. I didn't think that I would, I just thought that I could make a podcast and I didn't have to have a personality outside of the podcast. I thought I could anonymize it and always have it, like my picture of what West Virginia commonplace and never show my face. And I was successful right. for two seasons. And then one person asked a question, what do you look like? Who are you? And here's this voice, but we don't know who you are. So how are you going to handle being a social media influencer? Like, how are you going to handle that? Have you been thinking about that? Because yeah. that's, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, that's that's what I've been trying to do with my little uh, TikTok experiment is really sort of define that. Um, I know uh, I... I'm not a particularly good um, liar. And I don't mean that like as ominous as it sounds, but I feel like uh, to be a persona, a lot of times you sort of putting on a facade. And so what I've been trying to figure out is kind of more of like how I can be visibly authentic because I'm not very good at, at hiding who I am and putting on this sort of uh, overly professional or or polished front. Um, so the journey that I'm on right now is, is um, uh, I think they call it flawed, but competent. 
<laughs> yeah. needs to be a likable a likable character you can be flawed as long as you're competent and, and i'll tell you the thing that i did i'll tell you the thing i did in this is i decided not to ever do character development the person i am to my coworker or to my best friend that's the same person i want to be while i'm talking to you and while i'm doing all this and you know with the tiktok thing we all do some silly stuff on there everybody does yeah. everybody's an entertainer on there. that's the entertainer i'm talking about but with social media things, the only thing that um, I, I did different that uh, a lot of people shun me for, but I'm just passing this along. Anybody can access me on my Instagram, either one of those, personal or business. My Facebook, you can get me on my business. My personal, I'm going to leave that where it's at. Um, as an adult, like our comedic stuff that our crude humor, I'll leave that on Snapchat for personal friends. So yeah. I, the only thing that I do that I'm guilty of is I do uh, target my certain audiences with my normal raw self. But if it's anything that's going to offend someone or something like that, I have a separate area for that. And I keep that with the private right. people. So that's the only thing that I took from all of this personality stuff that you do. I kept my same, mm -hmm. same person I am. Like if we went to high school, I'd be the same person that you went to school with, minus some decent grades and some bad grades probably cheat off the team. <laughs> but um yeah. so, so that's great that you have that concept of uh how you want to keep yourself pure i like that um the only thing that i ask you to do um on this show because we're all about promotion not for me but for you um once you start this upstart i understand you'll you're going to be taking a lot volumes of people but do you have a way on the flip side for a young individual to get in contact with you to talk to you about software development if that's something that they want to do because we have all these stem programs do you have like an instagram or an email or some way that they can reach you just to talk to you to see you know your insight on things and how they might want to form their thoughts around what you've done yeah yeah that's actually something uh long-term goals for me i'm really passionate about uh opening that door to people who, you know, like me grew up and probably thought like, oh, I'm bad at math. I can't be a programmer or, you know, I don't have money for college or, you know, whatever their reason might be uh, for that barrier. Um, so, yeah. And again, I mean, TikTok is the only thing I'm on right now, but uh, the next platform is going to be IG and both of those are going to be open to um, anyone who has questions. I mean, TikTok, it already is, you know, I, I, talk with people on there and um all right, so plug, and all right, so plug your tiktok so that because you have to understand this is going out to a wide base of people right now mm -hmm. spotify told me today that we're actually in three different countries which that's crazy with me oh, wow. uh, and when that's i say so cool. when i say countries i'm talking like i know we're over in bangladesh because i got a following over there for some reason <laughs> but we're in europe <laughs> like, we're in actual europe with this show so that's america Very europe cool. and we're cool might say we might as well say i'm not gonna count bangladesh and over in that area but we'll just say <laughs> europe central europe basically so yeah um, okay all right go ahead i'm i want you to finish oh no you're good yeah so um oh sorry i lost my thing for money here um yeah on tiktok it's at reversal but the first e is a three because that's how we do it with gamers um and i talk a little bit about gaming on there but a lot of um a lot of that account is just sharing my story you know like okay. how I got from from zero to to where I am today and um just kind of the journey and you know like I said we well I say we I respond to a lot of questions about um you know 
kind of what we've talked about, you know, how I did it and I post content about it. Um, I post content about resources um, that people are using today, like um, additional plug, <laughs> I need an affiliate marketing link, but uh, Lambda School um, is really cool. They are, um, have you heard of them? Yes, I have. You have, yeah. So yeah, my cousin and a few other people I know went through that program and it's really cool because that's an avenue you can get an official education that's portfolio based and then they help right. you get hired and you don't pay anything until you get hired over 50k so like that's an amazing platform like if i was starting right now that's probably what i would do okay um, so let me get you to plug this you actually run a professional business when you tell them about your professional business because like i said you never know who a listener is here there could be someone out there these podcasts people listen to them on their 15 minute break they're yeah. back and forth to work, um, in the gym, in the shower. Some people got Bluetooth speakers. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Code and Candor was actually born for for a more specific purpose than just um, funding my other company. I guess that was probably oversimplification. But yeah, Code and Candor, uh, in terms of the work we do, it's consulting and uh, software development services. So less like, can you build my website and more, can you build a platform to support my business? Um, okay. And uh, consulting, consulting is just kind of the um, overly professional, you know, it can mean a lot of things. I like to think of it as hire a CTO. Like when I started, it's because um, a good friend of mine, her company, um, that a company that she worked for had been screwed over very badly, like a very large number that I'm not gonna say, but it was really, really brutal. And it's because they're non-technical, but they needed technical, um, they needed someone on their side to like be their CTO and say right. like, no, what this company is doing is not correct and they're fleecing you. And um, so that's definitely something I'm passionate about. And that's why the company name is Code and Candor because whether we're uh, working in the higher CPO um, function or if I'm actually building something for you, <laughs> it will always be a transparent process. Like I will never, you know, use all this fancy technical confusing terminology uh, when I know you're not technical <laughs> in order to, you know, get extra money or, or buy time. Um, I just tell them like it is. I provide layman's term documentation for them and technical documentation for anyone coming after me who's a developer um, who might work on their project. Okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so it's cool. I haven't gotten any games yet, but if you want to make a game, come see me. <laughs> okay. And once again, uh, Carmen, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, thank you for having me. It, it was a very interesting process in finding you, but but it's really awesome and um this is actually if i'm correct this is your first podcast right it is my first first podcast um, so me and my audience want to tell you ahead of time you did very good um from here it's the it, the sky's the limit make sure you, um and i always tell my guests this and they say that well people always ask why would you say this get on as many podcasts as you can because we always look at demographics not selling points but demographic demographic you can reach so many people with your message through podcasts. Um, a, a little stat that I learned about today, 15 hours is provided 
by people for podcasts in a week. That's a lot of time. But if you stretch it, but if you stretch it over seven days, it doesn't look like that much. But to me, that's still a lot of time. So you'd be amazed at how crazy we've gone back to an older element, really. Of it's got video and radio, but mainly this audio we're doing radio basically. We're going back in time with radio, and people are buying into the radio. They want to hear your voice. They want to hear what you got to say. So I want to tell you, thank you again for coming on. Do you have a special shout out to anybody that helped make you or break you? Oh, man. Oof. That's so loaded. (laughs) I don't know if I can handle that one. Um, I will say shout out to Coder with Coder with a K, K K-O-D-E-R. That was the company that took a chance on me um, when I was a complete newbie programmer that didn't know anything. Um, They're big supporters of uh, Latinx startups. They're big supporters of women in tech. Um, So shout out to Coder. (laughs) All right. So once again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And we hope to have you back when the startup is about ready to come up. That's the cool thing about a podcast. Everything everything we do is a part one and a part two, even if it's in different seasons, because like you said, you're, (laughs) you're, you're in the preliminary stages and then it's about to take off and the audience would love to have that back so thank you once again okay thank you please follow wv uncommonplace on instagram tumblr twitter tiktok where we have some great content facebook linkedin hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site join the email list from the website and rate subscribe and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher and lastly thanks for listening and tune into the next episode 